will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. receive God's word today. God, open our hearts and minds today by the power of your Holy Spirit. And as the scripture is read by Barrett and your word is proclaimed by Michelle, that we may all hear with joy what you have to say to us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm Barrett Kindig and I'm a confirmant and I'm reading the scripture this week. The scripture is 1 Peter 3 verses 8 to 17. Finally, all of you, have unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that you are called, that you might inherit a blessing. For those who desire life and desire to see good days, let them keep their tongues from evil and their lips from speaking deceit. Let them turn away from evil and do good. Let them seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who will harm you if you are eager if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated. But in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. 
So I want to start today by showing you a painting. And so take, take a look at this painting for a second. This painting you just saw is called The Death of Chatterton. And it's this painting that's come to be known as this archetypal image for what it means to be an artist. Now take stock of what you saw a few minutes ago. Thomas Chatterton was a poet in the 18th century who died penniless, desperate, alone. His art has seldom ever been understood and scarcely appreciated. But his talent was enormous, full of breathtaking and rapid creativity. But in this painting, called The Death of Chatterton. In this painting, you might have seen just scraps of torn paper at his side showing that, that struggle as an artist. There's this intensity of contrast and this contrast between his, his life's purpose the, the talent, the, the rich talent he has, his life's purpose, and the terrible waste brought about by, by poverty and a lack of critical acclaim. And so this painting seems to be saying something about artists, about what it means to be an artist. It seems to be saying that to be an artist is to be this impassioned, but generally possessed, alone, tragic and tortured person. This is to suffer. To be an artist is to suffer. Is this the life of an artist? The stories of artists are often tragic and tortured. Why then would anyone want to be an artist? Well, artists, true creatives, will tell you that art is not simply tortured and lonely and tragic. It's not only that. Art is, is this, this threshold you cross as soon as you move from, from what things are to what things could be. It's that threshold between grabbing something with just one hand so that you could use it and, and grabbing something, seizing something with both hands to cherish it, to enjoy it. It's from regarding an abundance of meanings and emotions as, as exhausting and exasperating to seeing a multitude of possibilities and interpretations as actually life-giving. For the artist, art is 
not just the production of some high-browed artifacts stuck up in some museum, or even just a, an experience of explosive creativity. Art is what happens when a triad of, of form and medium and ideas come together, when this triad of form, like perhaps a landscape and medium, perhaps watercolor or charcoal and an abundance of ideas, perhaps like the dream of the healing of creation, when they all come together as this extraordinary blessing for the inward life of the artist and also for all those who encounter their art. And within this triangle of form and medium and ideas lies this myriad of possibilities. This myriad of possibilities for its creation and for its appreciation and for its interpretation. That's the extraordinary blessing of art. An artist in their experience of both the tragic and the beautiful are those who live their lives within that triad of form and medium and ideas, refining their skills and understanding their tradition and enjoying all the possibilities and finding new ways to configure and represent them. Why live the life of an artist if it's so often tragic and tortured? Because a true artist isn't one who feels misunderstood and, and dies a tragic and tort tortured and often historic death, but rather one who embodies the disciplines of their craft so to make it this way of life and whose art evokes imagination and conversation and engagement with, with those in their audience, with us. And so this is why major universities have a center for the arts, almost every major university does because this triad of form and medium and ideas is this extraordinary blessing to our world. This blessing of imagination and conversation and engagement, though often tragic, but always glorious and beautiful. Like the artist, the writer of First Peter today writing to those early Christians in that tragic and tortured time reminds them and us of the extraordinary blessing, not of art, but of Jesus Christ, their Lord. This extraordinary blessing that like Art, like true art, has this way of helping us find glory and beauty, even in the midst of suffering. Did you hear the words today from First Peter? Here's, here's what the author of First Peter says today. All of you, in this tragic and tortured time, in your tragic and tortured time, find unity and sympathy and love for one another in the spirit of Jesus Christ. Do not repay evil for evil, but respond out of this extraordinary blessing. Because it is for this moment, this moment, this tragic and tortured moment that you were called 
that you might inherit a blessing for even if you do suffer, even if life is tragic and tortured, you know that by living this blessing, you are blessed. So about five centuries ago, the theologian John Calvin, you might know that name, the theologian John Calvin described the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of this extraordinary blessing that First Peter writes about, also as a triad, similar to the work of the artist in a triad of form and medium and ideas, John Calvin said the work of Jesus, the offices of Christ, are threefold as he sees them. Calvin looked at the three roles for which persons were traditionally anointed and blessed and sent forth in the Old Testament times. And, and then he looked at the ministry of Jesus and said that the triad of Jesus was always that of prophet, priest, and king. Instead of form and medium and ideas, Jesus exercised his ministry as a prophet, especially in his birth and life, as a priest, especially in his death, and as a king, especially in his resurrection. I actually have a tattoo that marks this triad. I don't know if I ever shared this with you. This tattoo here on my arm, it's hard to see. Maybe I can put it on the screen in a second. Maybe I can get Brett to show it more closely. You see that? So this tattoo of mine marks this triad of prophet in Jesus' birth, in priest in Jesus' death, and in King, in Jesus' resurrection. And it was within this triad of ministry that was, yes, at times tragic and tortured, that First Peter says, we find the most extraordinary blessing that even finds beauty and glory in suffering. And so today I want to explore with you I want to, to ask of you today, what does it mean for us to exercise in our lives and faith this triad of ministry in Jesus, that of prophet, priest, and king? What does it mean for us in this tragic and tortured time to inherit this blessing today as followers of Jesus in the light of the words of St. Peter? And so to get to that answer today, let's ex explore it through the lens of the artist first. How might an artist in form and medium and ideas get at this incredible blessing, this work of prophet, priest, and king? And so let's start with the prophet. Artists, artists can identify with the prophet. Because, because what do prophets do? They hold a mirror up to a society or to an individual. 
and they ask, are, are you proud of what you see? When you look in this mirror, are you proud of what you see? A prophet recalls the founding crucial commitments and values of a person and a people and asks, have those commitments been honored? Have those values been upheld? A prophet casts a dream of what it might mean for people and societies to fulfill their true potential, to live into that commitment, into those values, and says, look, here, here's the painful gap in your life between who we, who we are, who you are, and who you're called to be. Artists can relate with prophets. A prophet says, let's, let's see what this looks like upside down. Let's turn it over. Or I, I wonder how life would be if, if all the light shone from the back instead. Let's imagine we hear this, this bass several times, but each time it becomes more threatening and more mysterious. Prophets, they challenge, they config, reconfigure, they expose and highlight and ridicule and they shock us. That's what, it's also what artists do. Sometimes when an artist's ideas leap outside the triad and leave be, the form and the medium behind, or when the medium is so unsettling, unusual, that it obscures the form and the idea almost altogether, and the art becomes a scandal. And people get offended. And the offended people who, who crowd in to condemn the artist at such a moment have, have often forgotten or never really appreciated that artists are prophets. And prophets often shock and often become a scandal. Jesus shocked people with his prophetic actions. Of, of cleansing the temple and healing on the Sabbath and eating with sinners. Jesus was all wrapped in scandal. Now, not all offensive actions are prophetic. We know that. But some prophetic actions are offensive. And just because an, art, an artifact offends people doesn't mean it's not art. It just means it's, it's testing the boundaries of idea or medium. And so what does it mean for us to inherit this blessing? To exercise in our life and faith the extraordinary blessing of Jesus as prophet? To recognize Jesus as prophet? Is to allow God to test the boundaries of our comfortable form and mediums and ideas until we are shocked left shocked by the scandal of the gospel that's always asking us to take another look and turn things upside down and shake things up, always holding a mirror up to us and saying, are you proud of what you, what you see? That's the work of Jesus the prophet. Now what about the second part of that triad, of that blessing? Let's consider the role of priest. For the artist, every work of art is like an icon through which the observer can see ultimate truth 
profound wisdom, maybe even the heart of God. The artist strives to approximate the ultimate truth. The artist strives to create something that will connect with the hopes and and embody the longings of their audience so that they can transcend whatever limitations there are in form and medium and ideas and see beyond what, what they see and what the artist sees beyond the landscape, beyond the stars, beyond the melody. In a general way, this is what Christians mean by the notion of sacrament. In a sacrament, a priest, people sometimes call me priest because they grew up in the Catholic tradition and that's all they know. Um, they, they have stopped since calling me father, but sometimes I get priest. I am a priest. You can call me that. A priest takes the ordinary stuff of life around the altar table of bread and water and 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 it becomes it, it it speaks of heaven a sacrament is this this mingling of of the ordinary and the divine of actions and words where the presence of god is felt and tasted and touched in the faithfulness of what takes place there and in the way it imitates the pattern and character of god An artist takes the ordinary stuff of earth, wood and metal and canvas, and and makes it speak, makes it sing of the divine. It's this priestly role. Mozart and Beethoven and the composers of the hymns that our grandmother loved and and those who make music that speak speaks to our souls roll back the gates of heaven and bring us face to face with god that is a priestly role artists are are high priests of creation they they gather around them all the fruits of creation just as a, a priest does around an altar and and orders those gifts in such a way to show the divine and the holy in the human and the earthly and so what does it mean for us to inherit this blessing to exercise in our life and faith the extraordinary blessing of Jesus as priest. To recognize Jesus as priest is to allow God to order our ordinary human lives, our day after day rhythms and, and earthly gifts in such a way as to show the divine and to point to the holy, to show the face of God. And finally, that, that, third, that third part of this extraordinary blessing, that this extraordinary blessing that is our inheritance in Christ Jesus, consider Jesus' work and role as king. A true artist, even, any, even penniless and unrenowned, can relate with the role of king. By king, I do not mean being in charge. Rather, I mean showing what humanity can do when it, when it fulfills its, 
its potential. When I was at Duke, which is basically Hogwarts, the architecture is this, this kingly art. You know kingly art. Duke Chapel, this cathedral of neo-Gothic architectural design. It's majestic and it's full of splendor. And then, and then fill a space like that with the sounds of Easter brass and the explosion of kingly art that thrills and delights and excites and enthralls and full orchestras for Handel's Messiah. This art stretches our imaginations to the limits in, in exaltation and, and awe. But this isn't the most precious encounter with kingly art in my life. The summer before I came to Kingstown, I interned at a church called the Church of the Savior. It's in the Adams Morgan neighborhood in D.C., and it's not actually really a church in the traditional sense, but a network of nonprofits working for economic and racial reconciliation in D.C. And one of these nonprofits was just a house that offered intimate, loving hospice care for people in D.C. who were unsheltered and who are now battling terminal illness during the last few months of their life. And so they're invited in for shelter and for care in this time, people who, who otherwise would be experiencing homelessness. So as you can imagine, this is just this precious and well-guarded space. And so one day I was there and we got a call that one of the residents in hospice care his mother had passed away in, in a state, multiple states away. And so we just sat with him and we remembered with him and mourned with him, his, his mom. And then in, in his belongings that were kept in, in a couple of, of cinched bags, he pulls out the CD has no label on it. It's in a, a small plastic case and, and tearful and in this kind of throaty voice because late in life he is starting to lose his voice. He asks if we can listen to Oprah. I didn't realize Oprah made CDs. I guess she could have. Maybe she was a maybe it's a radio was a radio season of her life. Talk ho, talk show host. I know her of that. Maybe he and his mom watched Oprah together as when he was growing up with her. I know that she has this sense to be soothing. There's an ease about her, the way she stirs people's hearts and, and comforts people. And so we went looking for a CD player to listen to Oprah. And Eventually we found one, and as soon as we began to play, my, my confusion dissipated. With his voice failing, I heard Oprah. But opera it was. Puccini, Bellini, Strauss, Stravinsky, the magic flute, La Traviata, 
one after the other on this CD. His mom loved opera. He was a man who lived most of his adult life in, in D.C. parks and shelters, and he had just lost one of the only people who, who had ever loved him. And in this most surprising way, he was, he was showing me where in his suffering he found the glory and the beauty. That's the, the kingly power of art. That's the kingly work of Jesus. And so what does it mean for us to inherit that blessing? To exercise in our life and faith the extraordinary blessing of Jesus as King that when life is tragic and tortured, even when we feel misunderstood and unappreciated and unremembered and unheard, even when, when all that's left are just scraps of paper of our life laying on the floor at our feet and we lack critical acclaim and even in our suffering, we may find beauty and glory. This is the extraordinary blessing of the resurrection. This is the blessing we have inherited. This is God's hope and way and church and blessing. But all who, all of who we are and all we seek to be may may flow out of that blessing, the blessing of, of the prophetic, priestly, and kingly work of Jesus that, in the, that the writer of 1 Peter says today will be what tenderizes our heart and helps give us that peace we're desiring and opens our eyes and ears in prayer so that we may become, we may become this blessing, so that we may be able to account for the hope of this blessing and find God's glory in the shocking and in the earthly and in the suffering. Art, in all of its forms and mediums, and ideas is really just about glory. About straining for what cannot be said or expressed or contained in conventional forms. About straining for truth. About straining for a blessing we know is out there. About straining for God. That's why art is so compelling and so essential. Because it's in that art that we imitate the greatest artist of all, God in Jesus Christ, who created the universe in this ex excess of energy and, and fashioned the exquisite miniature of the incarnation and underwent the harrowing agony of the cross and burst forth in this crescendo of joy in the resurrection and caught fire in this dance of delight at Pentecost. And in the light of this artist, your life and every human life, your life is an event of creation and interpretation and imagination of God. And so today I ask you, are you an artist? Is there a yearning in you to express the depths of ache and fury and glory and blessing? Are you a prophet? Are you seeking truth? 
and this closer personal and social embodiment of that glory? Are you a priest? Rolling, helping to roll back the veil between the ordinary and the holy, between heaven and earth? Are you a king? Rousing all of creation to its potential and praise? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit today to make you a work of art that turns all creation into an alleluia? Gracious to you, the Lord turned. 